Welcome to Outwit, Outplay, Outpod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 44, Episode 12, I'm the Bandit. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? My fire take of this week's episode is that holding the rice hostage at final five would actually be such an interesting <laughs> strategy and a way to get people to not vote you out. Like, I know Jam Jam was trying to make a funny haha moment, but I was kind of like, I don't know, maybe you should grab the rice. Like, doesn't seem like a terrible idea. Once he made the joke and the idea had occurred to him, I mean, seriously, what if he grabbed it and said, this Y'all is going home or with me? No. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, I would a jury respect that? I think they might. I think you could. It's one of those things where you could do it one time and then you couldn't do it anymore. But they've also already voted out a player like Danny who would have been like, fine, I won't eat. Like, I think everyone who's left would be like, eh, yeah, I okay. like rice. I agree. They're maybe a little too nice for that to fly well with this jury. Uh, this week, my fire take is a potential Alligabler sighting. And I'll give you a hint about who I'm talking about. She is hiding in plain sight. (laughs) How long did you work on that? (laughs) Uh, It just came to me in a moment. Right, in a moment, in a dream. Yeah, you know, I think that there is a strong case. If if there is, I'm not saying it's going to happen. If there is a Gabler of the season, I think it is Heidi. And the reason is that there are a few things that she has in her column. Um, She has played an idol. Did it? as she did this episode. Was it impactful? No, but technically Carolyn's wasn't either. She has played an advantage. Was it effective? No, but she played an advantage, more than some people can say. She's the last surviving member of Soka. She's made it without any allies, really. She's just had to sort of go it alone. I think that she's likely, as we've talked about, gonna win fire, so she's gonna have a little bit of momentum going into tribal. Uh, and she has been voted for more than any other contestant, which, Maybe some would pitch as a weakness. It also, she can sort of pitch herself as a bit of a survivor that she made it to the finish line, even though people were gunning for her somewhat inexplicably, as we've discussed. So am I predicting Heidi wins the game of Survivor? No, definitely not. But if there is a Gabler this season, I'm telling you, I think it's Heidi. Put some respect on my and Gabler's name right now. Don't do that. No, it's Al Gabler saying, <laughs> I'm not going to put any respect on Gabler's name. That's for a different time, a different podcast. But yeah, look out for Heidi. That's all I'm saying. Kayla, want to take us into the recap? No, I'm mad. (laughs) Anyway, Carolyn does not regret playing her idol because she's that loyal to Carson, and he is apparently still very critical to her game, according to her. Everyone is basically having an awakening to Carolyn's gameplay, realizing that her emotional game was actually just cover up for maybe some really deep strategy. There's a hidden immunity idol scramble in the wee hours of the morning, but everyone to our knowledge comes up empty handed. There's a reward challenge where all of our castaways have to guide the hamster wheel. Jam Jam, Carson's, and Lauren win and go to the sanctuary for foot massages and strategy talk. Lauren is pitching heavy to get them to take out Carolyn and There are a couple plans cooking up back at camp. So Jamie, Heidi, and Carolyn all uniting against Carson or bringing Heidi into Tika and then picking off Jamie and Lauren one by one. Heading into the immunity challenge, which Lauren wins and is over in minutes, they head back to camp and basically spend the rest of the time targeting Carolyn. There's wild producer punks that make us think she's going home, but in the end, 
Jamie's torch is snuffed. So Kayla, I'm not sure you're aware, before we get into the episode, I wanted to share the hottest survivor news. Anything on your radar as of now impacting the future of this show? Nothing is on my radar and I'm scared. Yeah, the way I said it it sounds scary. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think you're going to be surprised and delighted at this one because next season of Survivor, we are going to get 90 minute episodes. Yeah! (laughs) Wait, that's exciting. I know. And I'm sure people have their theories and maybe have spoken up about the why of it all. I would love to say it's mostly a vote of confidence in the quality of the show. I think it more likely has to do with the writer's strike and reality shows (laughs) shows are on the rise as a consequence of people not wanting to script drama, just see it lived out in the greatest social experience, experiment known to humankind, aka Survivor. The Amazing Race is also going to 90 minutes, FYI. Oh, that makes it less. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fun. So it's not just like patting. I thought they were finally being like, Jeff, you are the one to carry us through this writer's strike. Yeah. As you've carried us for decades. But we've talked about how Survivor has only gotten more creative with editing and production. I'm really curious to see what this extra space is going to allow them to do. Like, for example, is every episode going to end with a tribal council? Are they going to do sort of wraparound where you get tribal in the middle and then, you know. I feel like they're going to do it like The Bachelor, where sometimes it like. Mm, yes. Is dead in the middle. And yeah. And on like a date. Yeah, and create cliffhangers and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited about this news. I don't think that I have a lot of faith in just like the talents of the production. I think more creative license and more time is bound to just lead to higher quality. And we've talked about wanting more from Survivor sometimes. Like, right. It's very I tight. never leave an episode thinking, like, oh, that really dragged. Mm-hmm. If anything, I'm like, wasn't too exciting, but I'm never bored. Yeah. Yeah, so on this podcast, I think we're 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 feeling good about this change. I'm excited. Um, looking forward to it. Send us an email. Yeah, send <laughs> and us tell an email. Us what you think? What do you think? And how should they use the extra time? Maybe what would you most like to see on Survivor that is too often on the cutting room floor? Um, okay, well, let's dive into the episode proper here. I think we'll go through this relatively efficiently in our style because we do want to do a bit of a look ahead to next week the finale of survivor um really excited about this one i think it's set up to be a pretty exciting one but we have the penultimate episode to discuss first um so we'll move through this quickly as i said i want to talk a little bit about the reward here the reward challenge somewhat interesting i think that that big ball where there carson's moving around and stuff carson killed it once again a very dominant challenge performance we knew we knew um And then they go back to the sanctuary. And this is like a thing now. And the branding of the sanctuary, I just find like sort of interesting and sort of strange. It's welcome to the sanctuary where good things happen. And I'm just like, in a show where I'm often impressed by the production choices, where good things happen, was that the best slogan that they could come up with? They said we've already been working overtime to create this sanctuary after bringing it back from the dead. Like, I'm going home. Y'all going to get this title one way or the other. (laughs) Yeah. I'm okay with the sanctuary being like a place they return to. You can clearly, and there there have been major budget cuts in affecting reward challenges. They used to be going on helicopters and visiting. Do we think we're going to get the sponsor era of Survivor back where we get like the sanctuary sponsored by Charmin? Yeah. I mean, for me, one, I found those unintentionally hilarious. The way they try (laughs) to like use Survivor for product placement is just funny. Um, But yeah, as as far as trade-offs go, if... 
courting sponsors is the way we get higher quality rewards, I'm totally in. Who is the sleeper survivor sponsor? Like, who would you be like, this is actually kind of a fire integration? I'm still stuck on what we talked about during Emerge Madness, which IHOP sponsoring Emerge <laughs> Feast. Like, I think that that would be a great call. There are probably a lot of other, you have to be a big chain restaurant in order to do that. But something about pancakes on the Fijian beach just strikes me as a really good opportunity for them. Any Anything come to mind for you though? I feel like skincare, like, What's, what? the scu- what's the sunscreen girls doing? Like you get to go to the sanctuary and do your entire nine step, okay. nine step skincare regime. My only thought there is your brand ambassadors are effectively people who have been living on a desert island. Yes, and we're going to see the before and after. These people have been in the sun, the oil's going crazy, the sea, salt, water, and one nine step so it just ra- and bam. It just raises the potential of the glow up once you use the product. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Interesting pitch. <laughs> <laughs> Long shot, but interesting pitch. Uh, okay. Well, moving right on ahead through the episode, let's fast forward to the immunity challenge. Uh, different note here. I think this is like the worst immunity challenge. They returned to it season after season. The it's balancing, so boring. The balancing of all the disc. And yeah. they made it like a little bigger, I think. The ball or the disc? The disc. Which makes it easier. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too impressed by anyone's skills here. Like, this wasn't... There have been, like, competitive challenges, but this didn't leave me with a sense of, like, an epic duel. And I feel like it's just quite random. Like, I don't know. I could could miss this immunity challenge every time. Pass. Especially after last gasp last week, which is, like, the best challenge. Okay. uh, Well... A lot of strategy talk this episode. You mentioned in your recap, and I think it's worth just like having another beat on it. The edit. The edit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they. this is as hard a head fake as Survivor gives. And a show that is prone to head faking, you know. Like, I actually thought she was going home. I did too, just because they didn't even advance. Like, you never heard Jam Jam making the opposite case yeah you didn't even like he brings it to Carson and Carson seems hesitant but Carson doesn't even offer a rebuttal that we get to see on screen I'm gonna have to I I I, and I'm sad that we didn't see that because I feel like Carson a lot of Carson's strength are these back channel conversations where he gets people to align with he's getting a poor edit I think at this point I know like I feel like he might not be getting enough credit with the audience because I think he presumably talked jam jam down now whether it was a good call to talk jam jam down is another question but yeah jam jam is going so hard after Carolyn in the direct to cameras he's like close to tears and sort of he literally almost cried and I I was like was this for the drama or was he just recalling the moments where he was about to send her home? Like, what spurred the tears? I know. It almost made me think at some point that he wanted to convince Lauren and Jamie to such a degree that he was like, I'm just also going to con the audience. I need to, like, like method acting. Like, oh. Daniel Day-Lewis become the character. And maybe <laughs> the maybe the producers didn't have much to choose from where he was giving the alternate case. But I don't know. That's just me thinking thoughts. But... Yeah, I in my brother and Carolyn also believed it. Like she yeah. was at that tribal. She was looking. Worried. I know. She almost burst into tears. She was like, "Yeah, I'm definitely gonna cry if I have to go home." And 
I almost cried. I was like, don't send Carolyn home like this. Like, I know she's a threat, but give her one more episode. I know. And if I could ask either Carolyn or Jam Jam a question about this episode, it would be whether they agreed on, like, playing a little bit at Tribals in case Lauren or Heidi had an advantage or an idol, which Heidi did. And they wanted, or sorry, Lauren or Jamie had something. Um, And they just wanted to, like, make them feel really comfortable. But I don't know. Carolyn's reaction seemed very genuine. It seemed, I don't think she knows how to have an... Not genuine reaction. Yeah. I think she was stressed. Yeah. And and this, the thematic conversation I wanted to have here about the edit, you know, I, we, we often return to the fact that like Survivor isn't just a strategic game. It's also an, an entertainment product. So I appreciate the fact that like the producers want to create stakes at every opportunity to make it engaging. To me, there's a difference between head faking the audience and like setting up a dilemma. I think this episode would have been more interesting if they give the alt case. So Jam Jam is seen as like being in this tug of war between two perspectives instead of them just purely putting their hand on the scales on the fact that he like really projecting that he's going to go for Carolyn. That was less interesting to me and it's a less satisfying result when I just, I feel like at the end of it, I was tricked more than I was like entertained. Oh, no, they had me in the grips. I think they, they've won this yeah, round. <laughs> they tricked me, too. They tricked me, too. But, but I'm I just okay don't... with it because I feel like every episode we get, will they, won't they? And honestly, I never know. I feel like that's literally every episode. Yeah. I guess you're right. I just like it when I feel like there's it's like a multiple choice situation instead of uh, just like projecting one answer that ultimately ends up not being realized. I ultimately thought they were like, it was just so certain and she was going home and I was like, well, this is the episode. Like this is, this is what they had to work with. Although I also didn't really understand how we were getting there because I was like, Heidi, this is a surefire way to final five. Like those girls have voted for you time and time again. They're going to vote for you again. These people have never put any votes on your name. So you thought Heidi made a good decision here? Yeah, this is a genius choice. From the perspective, I don't think she can beat any member of Tika is my thing. No, but I don't think, like... You don't think Lauren and Jamie would bring her? No, they weren't bringing her. Okay, that's fair. I mean, it would have been interesting. Heidi plays her idol here for herself. That's another question I wanted to ask. We talked about last week, Carolyn plays an idol. It actually doesn't affect the final result, but I... I but we it was were both, about the narrative. It was about the narrative. We were very impressed. <laughs> this time, Heidi plays an idol. It does not have any I effect. I think it's detracting. You think it's hurting? Because now this is the second time where she played something and it's kind of like, what? So, so now I'm already primed to think you don't know what you're doing with these idols and advantages and you've done something neutral, which yeah. I think makes me think it's bad. So in some ways it underscores her lack of social awareness in the game. Cause she yes, just... you were never going home, Heidi, in yeah. this vote particularly. Yeah, I don't know. Th- this is why I talked about Alla Gabler with Heidi, just because like... That is my reaction too. But I think the real factor underlying this is we like Carolyn and we don't really are not that engaged by Heidi. Like I ultimately they both played idols and both did not need to. I guess. You're giving her points because she didn't. She played it on herself. Which which is less impressive. Way less impressive. Yeah. Like you were showing a deep commitment to your ally, which implies some larger thing that you're doing yeah i guess when you play an idol for someone else it's sort of impressive because there's skin in the game like theoretically you could have played that idol for yourself and totally secured your safety in the game but you made a pure strategic move instead and tried to like really mess with the result that you were worried about 
So I tend to agree with you there. Um, the other thing, last thing I wanted to say about tribal, I feel like every episode we get more and more aesthetics of the tribal council area revealed. <laughs> I should have probably. There's like a full-on statuette of a gold dragon in front of Jeff's podium. It's crazy. It's so intricate. I think they're pulling things out the prop closet at this point. <laughs> I don't understand what the theme is. Also, I feel we have strayed from our medieval theme that was very prominent in the beginning. I think we're getting fewer shots. Yeah, I mean, we still get chess pieces. There are some suits of armor. There's the dragon. But, like, it's both not enough for me to feel like there is an intentional theme and also way too much at the same time. <laughs> like, you don't, like, you in the same way you don't need to theme every birthday party, it's okay to just have a birthday party, you don't need to theme tribal council. It's just tribal council. That's a terrible take. I knew you were going to disagree with it. Why? As it was coming out of your mouth, you knew you were wrong, right? No. Well, <laughs> are, you, are you inspired by the direction they took tribal council? No, but every birthday should have a theme. Oh, okay. So we're talking about birthdays. <laughs> we're not talking about tribal council. Okay, fair enough. This does take me. Yes. To the aesthetics of the jury, which I thought you were about to scoop me just now. Oh, no, no, no. No, I would Okay. Never. Yeah. Did we see mm -hmm. what our fashion killer, Danny, was okay. wearing <laughs> I just, like, fashion killer. Was he killing it or did he kill fashion? <laughs> That's for you to determine. I know. I think, you know, people could disagree on that prospect do you what is that called i was calling it a poncho i have a okay. silk poncho in my notes silk you think it was silk yeah, it was probably satin but I, you know. I thought it was canvas <laughs> no, i had a sheen do I, it i quibble okay there was a sheen yeah that was quite the move and i will say like danny is an interesting character we've both talked about our reservations with him on a personality basis but there's a lot of layers i did read an interview of him and it, like he is really into jujitsu like he has won championships like, it's not just, like, a hobby. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lifestyle. Yeah. He said that he and Franny in particular were, like, deep breathing, like, every morning and, like, really bonding with each other, which we knew everyone did that. I didn't realize that was, like, sort of a Danny and Franny thing. Um, but, yeah, he, like, is a man of, he's, like, like, he could be cast as, like, a most interesting man in the world type <laughs> character where things keep unfolding and you're like, he does that, he does that. I, did you see it coming? Did you think his jury outfit reveal was going to be the poncho. I mean, who could see that coming? No. Poncho <laughs> Poncho was not on my bingo card for Danny's outfit. And was it working for him? <sighs> Ugh, my fashion acumen, as I think has even been discussed on this podcast, is so low. Look, I'm of two minds. Did I like it? Would I wear it? No. Are we talking about it? Yes. Is fashion not a a, an industry that dares to be provocative to get get the people conversing disagreeing agreeing yeah so from the perspective of like you know art is all about driving uh disagreement and ideation and look how much time we're spending talking about danny's darn poncho on this podcast maybe you chalk it up as a win question mark what do you think that was a very met gala answer of you Ugh, i felt the Met gala. it's about the art yeah um i thought he was eating in that poncho i loved it i was like <laughs> yes <laughs> Danny service poncho. He took a risk and it paid off. <sighs> All right, this week's vote count. Jamie was Jam Jam, Carolyn, Carson, and Heidi. Carolyn received votes from Jamie and Lauren. 
Jamie ends up going home, and that leaves us with our final five. Yeah. Who will discuss who was on the move, Isaac? Yeah, so final five. So Survivors on the Move at this point is, you know, like, it's almost who's going to win. Um, I will say that the person who benefited most from this episode was Carolyn. I think that this season especially, the strategic intelligence has been really high. And typically, the move has been to vote out the person who made the best, most recent move. Yep. Like we saw was the case with Danny, for example. And that didn't happen this episode. And I think ultimately you have to credit Carolyn. I don't know if she, I don't know how. I think that one of the things I wonder is if Carolyn and Heidi had, have like more rapport than we're aware of or something. Because I just think like we're missing a bit of information as to why it seems like such an easy decision for Heidi to decide with them. I guess you brought up how it just seems like she's not on the same page with Jamie and Lauren, and that was the bigger factor. Um, But yeah, I I think moving up the most is Carolyn, just simply because she avoided being voted out after a really strong move. What are your thoughts? Who was moving up? Moving up is definitely Heidi. Okay. Heidi secured her spot, and I'm shocked to see her. So you know what, Heidi? Good for you. And I think she has enough of a bond with Carson to be on the right side of whatever strategy comes to bear. Okay. Also, hot take, part two, I think Lauren is actually on an upward trajectory here just because I think of this, like, remaining group, it's very likely she wins, like, whatever task is coming toward her. She is like so strong. If we're looking at the final people, Jam Jam has won one. Um, Carson won, but that was completely puzzle based. Heidi, I'm not sure if has won anything, but hasn't been super consistent. And Carolyn, bless her, does not have a challenge beast bone in her body. So I think Lauren's about to come on top in terms of like pure physical ability to complete a task. (laughs) Yeah, I think think that's very reasonable. I think she might be the challenge favorite moving forward. Um, I guess let's spend a moment on Jamie. Uh, I think we were like-minded on Jamie's run in Survivor. (laughs) Uh, And I I don't want to be mean-spirited whatsoever. She is an exuberant, positive, radiant person with a a very happy personality. I think she contributed to creating a really good vibe at the camp with her meditative expertise and things of that nature. Um, And I I think she was well-liked by her peers. Like, her personality graded personally on me at times. Uh, In addition to being very positive, I thought that she just wasn't picking up on social cues that you have to pick up on during the game. I think she would have performed better with, like, a different set of castaways. Like, I think if there was a world where, like, Matt was still here and like even Brandon, we had more of those original Ratu members. Like I think if Ratu was able to stick it together, she would have become like a leader and a power player. Um, But within the existing tribes, even the Matt and Franny's could kind of get behind her with her energy. But I just don't think she vibed completely with Tika and that's who ended up. Time six point running the game. All right, folks, so we wanted to use this podcast, now that we're getting so close to the finale, to take a quick look back at our Merge Madness predictions. And that'll include our Power Rankings points update. I've also done some back of the napkin uh, projections about what remains possible for certain hosts of this podcast in the competition ahead. Um, But first, 
we have some superlatives to run through. So Kayla, you and I talked about in the Merge Madness episode, who is going to be the challenge champions? You, just to refresh your memory, had chosen Carson to win the most challenges. Carson has won one challenge. Uh, And I chose Danny to win the most challenges. Ultimately, Danny won zero challenges. Um, We were both wrong. (laughs) And I'm surprised. Okay. This season is not as puzzle heavy as past seasons. Yeah. Past seasons, we've gotten so many intricate 3D puzzles. And so I think we just didn't have enough information. This is a very physical season. Yeah, I think you're right. But you, it is a very physical season, but Lauren is actually the challenge champion thus far. And we both were talking about how she might be the most likely to win the next one. She certainly wasn't on my radar to win, which just shows. And I don't think she was on her own radar to I win. don't think so. I think she has extreme mental toughness. You look at her during these challenges, she's locked in. I think she has a focus gear that not everyone has. So yeah, totally agree. Okay, moving on, we tried to predict who would be responsible for naming the most episodes. Whose dialogue led to the most titles? Kayla, you had predicted Matt. I had predicted <laughs> Carolyn, who I, I will caveat, Carolyn, Carolyn had the lead going into the merge. She had two to everyone else's one. Um, ultimately, Jeff even named an episode okay, Jeff. Um, this season. But uh, care to guess who is the current title leader? Jam Jam? So the title leader is Carolyn. Ah. She has four, including this one and the one before. They gave her two in a row. So she has the third turd. She has the quips. The third turd, I'm Felicia, I'm not worthy, and I'm the bandit. Three I statements there, which I didn't really notice. That's pretty interesting. She's characterizing herself. Yeah. (laughs) That was the best one. Which is something that contributes, like, this is the season of Carolyn. Like, regardless of whether she wins at this point, like, I feel like that speaks to the broader phenomenon of how much she has sort of captured the spotlight of this season. I need an all-stars with her. I know. I need it. (laughs) I I think she's a player who, if she wants to come back, they will bring her back. Because we're just obviously chit-chattering about her. I know. And if she wins, I think she's less likely to come back. So it kind of makes you wonder what you should root for. You think if she wins, she'll be less likely? For sure. I I think if you've won the million, people are like, oh, hang it up while I'm on on top. No, she is someone who's in it for the love of the game. She's sticking with her alliances. Now's the time where you eat your alliances for breakfast. And she's like, no. Oh, okay. So you don't think the money would be a huge part of her calculus in returning? No. Okay. All right. Like you could be right. I, hey, I'm not one to Carolyn, Carolyn. let us know yeah, what your motivations know, are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On this issue and many others, please. Uh, okay. So another prediction we were making was who was going to win the SIA money. Uh, stay tuned for that, folks. Hopefully we learn next week and we can share on the pod. But just to refresh folks' memory so you know, Kayla, you had predicted Lauren. Love that. I think that's a very good take. Um, I predicted Jam Jam. And if Jam Jam doesn't win, I also think he's a shoe in and multiple people can earn the money. So this is one where we both might We be could right. tie, but yeah. I think I deserve a point. Okay, yeah, fair. Uh, okay, so this moves us to our power rankings. Before I get into the power rankings proper, I wanted to both of us to uh, have a moment of accountability with the audience. <laughs> and I'm going to identify our worst calls. Uh. So this is the, these are the survivors who were the further we had predicted would be furthest from where they ultimately finished in the game. Um, this is humbling. I'll go with mine first. So uh, my wrongest call, if that's a phrase, was Jamie. 
I had Jamie going out in the ninth spot. Of course, she just left at the sixth spot. So I wasn't really that That's only far. three spots. That's your worst call? Yeah. Not this to is flex. a mess. Not to flex, <laughs> but that was my worst call. And I will say, like, Jamie, um, I think I... I guess I somewhat underestimated her. I have no idea what my explanation was for where I thought that she would leave, but yeah, she she outlasted my prediction. So props for her. Kayla, do you do you want have a guess at your worst call? Do you know who the, who it might have been? Probably Heidi going out Heidi. at eleventh. Yeah, <laughs> Kayla had predicted Heidi would be first out post merge, and she's still in the game. Who knows? She could win the game. It's always possible, but uh, she's kind of in a pretty good place right now. Um, so, any thoughts there? Why did you underestimate her? I don't know. <laughs> she hadn't been getting a lot of screen time. Her and Lauren hadn't been getting a lot of screen time, yeah. and I didn't know what to do. And I panicked. Yeah, fair. Um, well, before we get into the power rankings, which I know you're sort of bracing yourself for, <laughs> I want to say two nice things about your predictions. Wow, I love this. I know. So you had put Lauren eighth. You thought that she would leave a little earlier than she has, but you did explicitly caveat unless she proves to be a challenge beast, which I feel like you had like a little- Wow, I had hope. Yeah, you had, <laughs> you had a little spidey sense that maybe Lauren would be a surprise. And there was no information to go on suggesting that. I think she's a mom. Okay, that's what the superpower was? I don't know. She looked like kind of ripped. Okay. Where I'm like, it seems like you could hold something for a long time. Maybe that thing is a tiny human. I don't know. There you go. There you go. I like the logic. Also, she's clearly a superwoman because somehow her hair has remained detangled this entire time. And the second Lauren leaves the island, I need to know, is it one big mat? Does it just, do the curls look so amazing and luscious, like, and it's all a facade? Lauren, tell us yeah. how you did this, not in Vox Braids. Thank you so much. Hop on TikTok. We need the hair care journey story here. Uh, while we're on the subject of Lauren... Fun fact, I, I mentioned that Heidi has received the most votes of the remaining players. No one has voted for Lauren. She's the only survivor who has received no votes, who remains in the game. What's your take on that? Do you think not getting any votes is like... Yeah, I know. What does that say about... I think, I mean, one thing it can say is that you are doing a very good job of playing an under-the-radar game. The other side of that is no one believes you're a threat and everyone is willing to take you to the final three. Um, in this case, I mean, I don't know. I think that the players in the game are probably thinking that they could beat her at the end. Now, she has won two challenges, and she could win another. So I still am the, in the camp like Lauren could go on a hot streak here. Um, but, yeah, what, what do you think? I don't know. I'm kind of of the mind that it needs to be paired with something. Like, I remember that one season where, what was his name, like JT or something, mm -hmm. where he basically won every challenge yeah. and never got a vote put on him. Yeah. Like, I think I need another accolade to make me think that this was like part of a larger strategy. So like, I wouldn't say she's on the JT level of challenge beast. And I don't know what it means. I haven't decided. Gabler also didn't get any votes put on him. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's tough. I. Also, everyone's different in terms of how much they weigh challenge victories come final tribal. 
I feel like as a jury member, I would not weigh it super heavily, if I'm honest, but I could be underplaying it. Ultimately, winning an immunity challenge, you're just reducing the number of punches people can throw at you, basically. So it's a hugely impactful thing in the game of Survivor. Uh, if Lauren goes from two to three, I think that's pretty huge. I think that becomes not just, oh, I won two challenges. It like puts you in another category. It tells a clear story that like, okay, you were a force in challenges. Wait, another take. Sure. I think if you don't get any votes on you, it also shows that you like may not have any really strong allies. Because when you're trying to like break up major groups of alliances, you weren't part of any of those. Like it was kind of just like her and Jamie at the end. I think you're right. So you're saying if you haven't formed alliances. Worth breaking up. I see. Worth breaking up. Okay. The only other thing I'll say is I feel like Heidi has a lot of votes on her, not because she's a big threat, but because she didn't have a big coalition. So I think mm. that can go either way. Like That's so true. it could lead you people to be like, she doesn't have numbers, so she's not a threat. Or it could be like, oh, it's easy to vote someone out because they haven't formed relationships. So I don't know. Ball bounces both ways. I'm not sure that this is going to be like some magical resume item that Lauren <laughs> reveals and everyone's like, whoa. Wow, Lauren, wow. Yeah, I, yeah, that's what I tend to think. Okay, we got a little off track there, but there's another compliment I intend to pay you about your power rankings, which is, I thought one of the most interesting dilemmas of our power ranking conversation was who was going to go out first, Matt or Franny? I said Matt was going to go out. I said Franny was going to go out first because she was the bigger strategic threat. You said Matt was going to go out first because Franny has better relationships and ultimately those would protect her. And and you were right. I think that was a a good uh, a good prediction there. And I was dead wrong. Uh, attributing Franny's longevity in the game to her relationships, I think like totally like that is what happened. So well done. Thank you so much. Okay, now folks. You yeah, give him, absolutely no. You know, <laughs> Jeff gives people a flint only to take it away. So here, here, here's where we're going to pivot here. Uh, power ranking points update. Kayla, good news here. Oh, I'm not doing too bad. You're not doing too bad. Uh, you actually were dead on. You predicted Jamie would, would be the sixth place Let's survivor. Let's go. Yeah, so you earn yourself the maximum of three points there, which brings the game to 10-7. Now, Kayla, you're looking at our little power rankings here. Anything interesting you want to note for the audience looking at these two lists? Um, so folks, Isaac is specifically referencing that he correctly identified the final five. Let's go. <laughs> Unbelievable. Like, I, honestly, a lot more luck than like predictive ability. But yeah, I have my entire final five is Lauren Carson, Heidi, Jam Jam, Carolyn. So we got here. And because our point system rewards you some for being spot on and some for being close, that does give me a slight advantage as we move forward. Um, I did do the math, Kayla, on whether how or can not I win? You can eke out a victory. So, um, the first calculus I did is what is your maximum possible points? Okay. You have two players, Carson and Carolyn, remaining. Mm -hmm. You have Carson in the fourth. Carson in the fourth spot. Carolyn in the third, meaning she would finish last in votes at final tribal, which mm -hmm. I don't think is very likely. But <laughs> having said that, it means you could earn yourself six more points. I then calculated what are the minimum number of points that I could win if things go as badly for me as they possibly could. My minimum points is three. So that would put us in a dead tie. We I hope that happens. That so would be spicy content. Yeah, wouldn't that be spicy? Well, folks, as I said, give them the flint only to take it away. <laughs> Unfortunately, we both have Carson in the fourth place spot. So you're... if. 
I win. Our fates are tied. Yeah, our fates are tied. Oh. So h- however Carson does, like we will be affected in the same way. So you actually can't make up quite enough ground to catch me in this battle. So <laughs> Kayla, I just want to wish you the best as a fellow competitor. This was just an inaugural competition. There'll be many more, many future survivors. And you'll get to be in the seat that I am right now where you just have... Next time I'm going to do more thinking, more (laughs) pre-planning. I will say, like, yeah, so, I mean, not to pat myself on the back here, but um, my whole rankings were based around the notion that the three studios were going to run the show. Um, And that did did end up proving right. I will say, like, was it a prediction or was it the outcome I wanted? Like, this is what I was rooting for. (laughs) And I think it is really good for the season that we got it. Like, they've been delivering the entertainment value. I agree. Yeah. And there's no rules on the podcast, so... Yeah. I think it's more fun to, like, predict, but also, like, predict the people you're rooting for, because then you're just... Priorities are aligned. You don't have to feel like, oh, I don't want this to happen because of my bracket, but it would be kind of cool to see, so that's how I lined it up. I think that's great. Yeah. All right, folks. Well, I think that's how all we got this week. K- Kayla, I thought this was one of the strongest episodes of the season. This was a great episode. I was on the edge of my seat, absolutely gripped... There were so many alternatives to who could have gotten voted out. All of them seemed pretty much equally plausible to me. (laughs) I'm shocked that it ended up being Jamie. Um, And I'm both excited and sad for the season finale. But we're getting 90-minute episodes, so the Lord giveth. Yeah, I'm really excited for the finale. It's been a great season, and yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna get a worthy winner, even if it's uh, like I'm a, so excited. I think we, we are gonna have right? a real competition in final three, which we haven't had for so many seasons. In the words of Brandon, only shooters. Only shooters. You're going to come at the shooter. You best not miss or whatever he said that one time. Uh, All right, folks. Well, thanks for tuning in. Please rate us five stars on your favorite podcasting app. Shoot us a note. Any predictions you have for the finale, perhaps? Outwit, outplay, outpod at gmail.com. As always, the tribe has spoken, and so have we.